gonna do what they say can't be done We've got a long way to go And a short time to get there I'm eastbound just like no bandit run Keep your foot hard on the pedal Some devil mind them brakes Let it all hang out cause we gotta run to make Welcome to Hardway Freaks, Computer Geeks I'm Bry Guy, your host and standing by my cellmate, J-Man. And the November turkey of the month, it's Will the Thrill. Well, guys, we've had quite the week. And um, the first thing, of course, is I'd like to ask Jay, how your week's going? I know you're sitting there in Laredo, Texas. So yes. what's going on with uh, you? Oh, well, right now I'm on a reset because I have no hours. And I'm waiting to switch driver to uh, get loaded and bring a trailer to me. So far, this week has been pretty good, unlike the last <laughs> Texas trip that I had that uh, fell apart every day. Um, this one's been really good. How about you, Will? How was your week? It's It's been a roller coaster, but uh, there's been a lot of good parts to it. Went and helped a couple of friends uh, this, and started to get uh, some groups together and teaching some students how to, uh, how to you know, hack those boxes. Uh, what about you, Brian? Well, uh, my week's not been too bad. I got to visit the, the granddaughter there in BC and came down to Texas and picked up a load in Texarkana, Arkansas and heading back to the barn in Calgary. I'm sitting here talking to you guys from Oakley, Kansas, was where I am tonight. And uh, I got lots of topics, guys. I think. I've had a lot of emails uh, from people asking about Bandit and how I rescued him and whatnot, but I wanted to go all the way back to the name Pitbull. And we're not talking about, you know, the Latina singer that, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're talking about the dog, because the word Pitbull is not what people think. And I get asked a lot uh, where the name Pitbull came from, and we're not talking about the Latina uh, singer as well. Okay, I think he's Latina. I'm not really sure, but everybody knows who Pitbull is. But as far as the term Pitbull for a dog goes, it actually can be traced back to the early 1800s in the United Kingdom. And uh, Pitbulls were originally bred from Old English Bulldogs. Unfortunately, they gained popularity, guys, on the British Isles. Uh, there's a cruel blood sport known as bull baiting. One to two bulldogs would be set out to harass a bull for hours until the animal collapsed from fatigue, injuries, or even both. Now, these matches were held strictly for entertainment of the poor people as a source of relief from hard times. And in 1835, the British Parliament reenacted the Cruelty to Animals Act, and this prohibited baiting of animals such as the bull and even the bear. And once this uh, way was outlawed, then the public turned their attention to ratting. The practice showed the dogs against rats in which they were primed to see what dog could kill the most rats in the least amount of time. So the pit in Pitbull comes from ratting as the rats were placed in a pit so they could not escape. Thus the name Pitbull, okay? So ultimately, due to the tenacity of these dogs, the public turned their eyes upon dog fighting. Now, ratting and dog fighting required agility and speed, so these bulldogs were bred with carrier, bull, and other type dogs. They then became the first pit bull terrier. Shortly before the Civil War, 
immigrants from the British Isles came to the United States, bringing with them their pit bull dogs. Now, these people originated from Staffordshire, England, thus the new name Staffordshire Terrier, because now that they're in the United States, uh, at that time they were shortly, uh, stockly built with square heads and firm jaws, I might add. But then they got adopted to the name of American Pit Bull Terrier because they were now in the United States. You get me on that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Although they had been specifically bred for fighting, they knew that they now discovered a new purpose in America. So in the early 1900s, they were responsible for herding cattle, herding sheep, guarding livestock and cattle rustlers and thieves and wild animals. They even helped on hunts to kill wild boar. Thanks. They also had an empathic, loyal, and loving demeanor with humans, especially children, so they then became the American Staffordshire. This is where the term nanny dogs comes from. Uh, public attention turned away from fighting dogs as citizens began to see them as working class and companion dogs. And the United States admired them so much uh, that they basically, with their qualities, being friendly, brave, loyal, hardworking, good with children, a dog worthy of respect, they became the all-American dog. In fact, during World War One and World War Two. They were seen in military posters and advertisements as the nation's mascot. In fact, the first war pit bull was Sergeant Stubby, and he's the most decorated war dog of World War One. He's the only dog to be most decorated for rank and promoted to sergeant throughout combat. In fact, he served 18 months on the front lines and 17 battles and four different war campaigns. And there's actually a, um, he's the only pit bull that has a statue up in. Uh, uh, in, uh, in the UK of him. Shortly thereafter, the pit bull became America's sweetheart. They were frequently used for commercial advertisements and products. I'm sure you've seen the RCA dog. Yes, yes, the RCA dog, right. Okay. The RCA dog was Buster Brown. He's a pit bull. Okay. Petey from the Little Rascals was also a pit bull, but here's a funny fact. You see that line that goes all the way around Petey's eye? Yeah. That was all, that was all done with magic marker. Oh, that was... Yeah, that was that was never that was never part of it, but it just it, it you know just kind of it caught your eye. And Spuds McKenzie was the original Bud Light dog in the Super Bowl commercial, if you remember him. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, the pitbull was also a very favorite among politicians. Uh, Helen Keller uh, had a pitbull. Theodore Roosevelt, Mark Twain, Thomas Edison, Fred Astaire, and Humphrey Bogart all owned pitbulls earlier on. So four breeds that fall under the Pitbull moniker are the American Pitbull Terrier, the American Staffordshire Terrier, the, Ameri the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, and the American Bully. They're all under that moniker of Pitbull. Okay? Uh, so what changed to make owning a Pitbull a controversial idea for a pet? Well, in 1976, Congress amended the Animal Welfare Act of 1966. This addressed the main issue of dog fighting, which became officially illegal in 50 states, 5-0. Unfortunately, many times when an act is made illegal, it draws the attention of criminals. Dog fighting then reemerged in the 1980s as animal advocates drew attention and focused on this cruel, barbaric, illegal blood sport. Criminals seeked out pit bulls now for illicit purposes. See, before that, there was the, uh, the Doberman. And that's where the criminals went to. And then once they dis discovered the pit bull with his tenacity, they, they then uh, adopted the pit bull for nefarious means. 
they put these dogs into a mold that they were never designed to fit, actually. The breed was now being used as guard dogs, protection dogs. TV portrayed them in a negative light or situation. It was usually in poor situations, I might add. Uh, large demands for pit bulls led to backyard breeding for people. There was no concern for temperament or socialization. Instead, it was for the purpose of making large profits than providing a responsible home. Pit bulls were now associated with poverty, urban thugs, and crime. These dogs were viewed as money-making commodities, and they were treated so unfair. Now, in 1987, this is what did it. A Time magazine cover titled The Pitbull, Friend and Killer, was put out by an uneducated, ignorant publisher. The article crucified anyone owning such a dog, citing numerous attacks, and they glorified the attacks with children in it. It used such myths as their jaws locked, which was complete, utter bullshit. Uh, they cited such words as the dog will clamp down on its victim. Uh, it literally tears them apart. It rips the, fr the flesh like great white sharks. I mean, it was just completely fear-mongering, uh, you know, um, uh, against this poor breed of dog. And then thanks to stupid, ignorant bitches like Cheryl Blair of Tufts Veterinary School in North Grafton, Massachusetts, she put out an article making such ignoramus comments as the dogs go for the deep musculature of the skin and they don't release. They hold, shake, and rip the person being attacked apart. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> like, so a, com a complete attack, a complete attack on, the, on this dog, okay? So now it was Michael Vick, the piece of shit NFL quarterback, that single-handedly destroyed this dog's uh, reputation in 2007. This dickhead, at age 27, when he played for the Atlanta Falcons, was arrested after his kennels in Surrey Court, Virginia, were raided and 48 dogs were seized. Okay? His maggot lawyers argued that dog fighting was part of the loser's culture. He pled guilty to 18 months in prison, and he lost all his sponsors and was actually had to give up $1 million in restitution for the care of the surviving dogs. He also lost his 10-year, $130 million contract. Boo the fucking who. In 2008, he filed for bankruptcy, and he never paid off the $1 million he was supposed to have done. They were called Bad News Kennels, and it was a dog fighting operation, and all of a sudden, this was exposed. Originally, just over 70 dogs, mostly pit bull terriers, were found on the Bad News Kennel uh, Virginia farm. And uh, I know that this generation listening uh, to our podcast, the Freaks and Geeks, have no idea about this guy. So I'm going to just kind of give you a bit of an education. Now, this is going to be strong. I'm going to warn you. But I want you to know what this piece of garbage did to these dogs, okay? So the shape of these dogs was absolutely deplorable when they were found. There was an old, an untold number of dead bodies buried, all dumped together in a pit. They found a rape stand, a pry bar, treadmills, and a fight pit as well. It's a sad fact that dogs die so often uh, when dog fighting, you get these greedy son-of-a-bitch owners. They always need new dogs, so they put a rape stand up, and um, basically it's a breeding stand. Also, uh, I should say also discovered were performance-enhancing drugs on the property. Now, Michael Vick regular purchased syringes to inject the dogs with stimulants before a fight. Then a select few, usually the champions, would get the injections of antibiotics to prevent infection. Steroids like dexamethasone were used to reduce pain and swelling and help rebuild torn muscle. Pry bars or brake sticks, a large wooden stick, was used when the dogs needed to stop biting one another. 
The rod looked like a hammer handle with a flat edge and could be inserted into mouth behind the molars to pry the dog's uh, open jaw. Okay? If you have ever seen the documentary, it's a 2015 documentary, which I highly suggest you see it. It was on Netflix last I saw it. It's called The Champions, and you can find out more about what happened to these dogs. But furthermore, when a Bad News Kennels pit bull dog was wounded in a losing fight, Michael Vick was consulted first. He then had the animal doused in, elect- in water, and then, he was, and then the dog was electrocuted. Furthermore, eight young pit bull pups were put to death at the Surrey County home. Here's the reason. They were found not ready to fight in April of 2007, and these dogs were inhumanely killed by hanging, drowning, or slamming at least one dog's body to the ground or simply a bullet was put to its head. From 2002, Bad News Kennels began purchasing pit bulls to train as fighting dogs. And in the beginning, um, authorities seized 66 dogs, including 55 uh, pit bulls. Half of the dogs were chain-tethered to car axles that allowed the dogs to get close but not have any contact but have enough friction that the dogs would then want to kill each other. And the dogs would rarely be fed a day before a fight so they could be more hungry to feast on the other dogs. Isn't that lovely? Okay. Michael Vick defended himself by blaming family members for taking advantage of his generosity. He also stated he was unaware of criminal activity, including gambling and drugs, that occurred on the Virginia farm. Further investigation found out that Vick was known as Ooky in the dog-fighting world. Vick was apparently shown to be giving a bag one time containing $23,000 cash to the owner of one of the winning dogs. Bad News Kennels ran their dogfighting operation, by the way, from 2002 to 2007. Five years of fucking torture and pain for these animals. Last but not least, and I want to quote one of Michael Vick's very good friends, and I'm sure you know who this guy is, Steve Harvey of Family Feud. Very good friend. Vick got out of prison after doing only 21 months, and there was a time when he was going to be reinstated and, you know, to go back to play in, in, in the NFL. And Steve Harvey was defending him by saying, they're fucking dogs. Get over it. So um, I encourage all of you freaking geeks out there to boycott this ignorant, ignorant, uh, loudmouth, fat-ass prick. Steve Harvey, you, sir, are one complete asshole. So in a recent interview with Michael Vick, which was quite recent, he defended himself, saying he was young and stupid, got over his head with the money, and he was so glad that the world had forgotten about the unimaginable atrocity he committed on 70-plus pit bulls. And I'm here to tell you this, the new generation that you're listening to, Michael Vick is a piece of shit, okay? Don't follow him. If you want to send hate mail to him, I encourage it. I hate this son of a bitch. I hope he dies every living day that he breathes. I can't stand him. I, I, what he did, let me put it this way. If he, at this moment, gave all his money, to all the rescues, and was helping dogs that were in need, he would be remotely, remotely forgiven for what he did. Wouldn't you agree, Jay? Well, I wouldn't forgive the prick. No, not for that. No, no, no. Here's the really sad thing. He actually owns another dog. Yeah, he was allowed to own a Belgian Malmoy. So, yeah, I I can't stand him. So, um, and he's got an Instagram, too. So if you guys want to send hate mail to him or hate messages, please do. Please do. So anyway, um, that's a little bit about it. We're going to talk a little bit about my uh, American bully, uh, Staffordshire Pitbull Mix Bandit. And we're also going to talk about how we rescued Oki. Um, uh, prior to that, uh, Oki was my first trucking dog uh, before Samson. I've had a lot of trucking dogs, by the way. So 
Uh, we'll pause for station identification um, from sexualdesiresextoys.com. Ignite your passion and escape to paradise with sexualdesiresextoys.com. Over 7,000 adult products to choose from, including a large variety of sexy erotic lingerie, tantalizing teddies, brazen bralettes, va-va-voom, baby dolls, magnetic mini dresses that will give you a night you'll never forget. Ignite the erotic side in your relationship. Sexual Desire Sex Toys also has his and hers naughty board games, luscious lubricants and creams, or walk on the wild side with our anal and bondage fetish items. Paddles, masks, blindfolds with wrist and ankle restraints, and much, much more. And don't worry, we have discreet shipping and amazing 24-7 customer service and safe payment processing. Ignite the fire within you tonight. Visit sexualdesiresextoys.com. Oh. All right, we're back. That was a uh, pretty interesting topic there, uh, right? Uh, I forgot all about that guy. I remember I remember when it all went down. Um, yeah, what a what a guy. Anyway, yeah, all in the name of money. Yeah, all in the name of money. But I've got a fun little topic. Coca-Cola, BC's piece of shit high the highway that's been killing people. What, 1986? Oh man, what a what a highway. It was originally used from 
that millions and millions of people would be driving this highway still so they they built like fourteen or fourteen or fifteen toll booths um to accommodate all these people well it, it just didn't happen, and that's why you know when you drove up there, I don't know if you ever used it when it was a when it was a toll highway, but it was never saw a lineup ever ever. And actually, Jay, I did. I got a little bit of a story of that. Uh, yeah, but that was that was a different that was a different kind of a lineup. But yeah, go ahead. I'd like to hear about your accident that you you were involved in. Yes, or that was almost uh, involved in. Yeah, please share that because that's part of the uh, highway. Um, it's deadly. Well, and I remember the toll started at five dollars for motorcycles. It was ten dollars. This this was the original toll. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was it was ten dollars for a vehicle, it was five dollars for a motorcycle, and um, it was a really stupid amount of money for an eighteen wheeler. Like it could be anywhere from uh, twenty five. It was fifty dollars. It was fifty bucks. Right. 50 so um, I was trucking with my wife at the time and I'll never forget this. We had just talked to the lady up at the toll booth and she said, Oh yeah, everything's all good and she had no clue that there was black ice that was on the top of that mountain. And I came down that thing, and the next thing I know, uh, my trailer is going to the right, and my tractor's going to the left, and I saw two vehicles on the left side, there's another four on the right side, and I just thought, I'm going to kill something, we're going we're gonna to wipe, wipe them all out. And uh, I'll never forget, my wife just totally took control, she got on the CB, uh, we still have the CB, of course, and uh, she was, you know, saying, breaker, 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 you know, get out of the way, get out of the way, you know, just trying to, you know, just trying to, and then as soon as we we got to the, the bottom, and, and what actually ended up happening is the trailer just literally grazed a Hyundai pickup, and I don't even know, I, I think just the truck gods were working with me that day, because there was no skill involved, it was just pure, you know, put, put your, your, your head in your ass and say goodbye. And I just kept sliding down, and the tractor hit the side of the embankment, and the trailer hit the Hyundai, and then she was out talking, yelling at these people, because the one husband, her his wife, had literally uh, got catapulted out of the window, and she was almost like upside down in the snow, and uh, it was so, so funny. She, she'd go, you guys get together, because they're all taking pictures, right? She goes, you go get that woman out of that snowbank now. And she, she just took complete charge, complete charge. It was so funny. And um, the RCMP and Hope were there, and they were commending me on my defensive driving skills. It was, it was just like I said, I was at the mercy of the truck gods, and they just didn't will me there to kill anybody or hurt anybody that day. But that I will never, ever forget. Well, it, it, it's funny because the Coca-Cola is made up of, in three sections, right? Uh, you got Hope to Merit, you got Merit to Kamloops, then you got a real wonderful section called the uh, Okanagan Connector that goes from Merit to Kelowna, well, actually Peachland. And as bad as, like, you, you watch Highway Through Hell, <laughs> that's nothing. Like, that's bad. That's a bad area there. But it isn't nothing compared to the... Uh, Okanagan connector from Merrick to uh, Beachland. Because it's higher, like way higher than... You're talking about Highway 3? No, I'm talking about Highway 97. I think it's called 97. Oh, 97. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, I've ra I ran that every day for two years. Every day, well, actually every night. 
for two years. I'd leave Barcelona. I I would leave at four o'clock in the afternoon, and I would generally be weather permitting. I'm going to say, if the weather was nice, I would be back in in Kelowna around two in the morning, three in the morning. Um, I have seen the most unbelievable flash weather that I've never witnessed anywhere other than Ontario with the lake snow that that they get out there. Um, I have been up on the, on the east west connector, clear skies, cold, like really cold, but clear skies, and within 30 kilometers, you're in a blizzard. Well, the and, weather is dictated by the mountain. Well, exactly. exactly. Do you remember what it cost, Jay, to build that? Oh, it, it was uh, almost $1 billion. I think it was just uh, a few thousand shy of a billion dollars.
foot to the floor trying to do that 120, and, you know, they're just, they're just sucking the life right out of their cars. But it, it's a dangerous highway. Um, and I think this is, and last year, it got completely uh, washed out. You remember that? You had to take Highway 3. Oh, I remember that very Yes. And, uh, yeah, that I, was... That was no fun. That was, <laughs> that was bad. You know what a truck driver's calling, right? You know. But what did they... I, I, I wrote that down, too. I got it on my notes. 7.4 inches, not millimeters, inches of rain fell in 24 hours on the Coquihalla. That's a lot of fucking water. That's why the road got washed out. It, it never happened before. And it's still a mess. It's they've done, I, I will say, they have done a pretty damn good job, considering the, the, the damage that was done. I mean, um, they, uh, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm impressed how, they, how fast they actually got that road open. What was it, two months? A month? Uh, I think mean, it's a couple months. Yeah. I mean, they're still trying to fix it, but they've, you know, I really got to hand it to those guys. They really did a damn fine job getting that, just that, that road open, considering the, the scale of the damage. I mean, there's chunks of the road that were completely gone. The military had to come in with helicopters and fly people out. Like, it was bad. Um, you know, what do you do? All of a sudden, the road behind you, behind you is gone and the road in front of you is gone, and you can't turn around. Like, there's no turnarounds on that highway. You know? And that's, a, that's another thing that's always kind of bugged me about that, that road, is uh, once you're on it, you're, there's nowhere to turn around. Not for a truck. There's only the Not one for spot. a truck. It's the one spot for that rest stop. You can, there's a turnaround there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's another, what, 80, 87 kilometers to merit before you can turn around again? Oh no, there's a couple of places. There is a couple of places, um, but they're they're a long way apart. You know, I mean, in a car, you can just kind of take the uh, the service those service turnarounds that they say don't enter. You know, I mean, you could always use that, but us guys, us truckers, we can't. We're we're kind of committed. You know, there's not very many places we can turn around. And you know what the funny part is? You always see those guys with those fucking socks up on the Coquihalla, thinking that that's oh oh I know. I know. Or, or yeah, remember uh, those, what are those other things, those, those Jamie things, um, oh, what were they called? Uh, I, I know that one when I was uh, with uh, uh, my first trucking company, they used them cables, cables. Oh, cable chains. Yeah, I had a set of cables. Yeah. Yeah, I had they're, a cable. They're not that great. And, 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 uh, yeah, they, they, if you're, if you're really light, they're okay. All right, they're, I, 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 I used, I used the set for a full because... I was always, I was always pretty much empty. So yeah, okay, they're they're not too bad. But you get a fully loaded truck, super beast stuff like that. No way, man. You can't use. You know, you'll just you'll just shred them. You'll just shred to nothing. I mean, when I when I was running from from Kelowna to Vancouver and back, if I had five thousand pounds in the box both ways, I was heavy. So I mean, I could get away with it because I only threw my chains on to get up the the smasher, and that was it. I never chained up anywhere else. That's the only thing I ever had to put the chains on. Can you tell me that something was heated? Some some place was heated or something? Like that? Yes. Um. The the uh, where the great the great bear snow shed is. That section of road is heated. I don't know how they do it. Um. I would imagine it's electric. 
Um, it's uh, they use the like if you've been into Vancouver, there's the Knight Street Bridge. Well, the Knight Street Bridge was the first bridge of its kind to have a heated deck. They never use it. It's too costly. It's way too, way, way, way too expensive. Um, but when they build bridges, they win awards and stuff like that for engineering and stuff like that. And that was part of the award-winning bridge. Well, they used the same technology on that section of the Coquihalla. Why they never use it, I have no idea. Probably because of, probably because of the extreme temperature. And what does the name Coquihalla stand for? I haven't got a clue. I have no idea what it means, but I do will tell you this. All the exits on the Coquihalla, um, the Othello, Othello exit, and uh, there's a couple other that I can't even remember. They're all Shakespearean names. They were named when those were all railroad stops for the Kettle Valley Railroad. Each and every one of them. Like well, that just road that you are right, driving on is the exact rail part of the rail bed. I mean, hey. I mean, mind you, they did a lot of work widening it. They blew mountains up. I mean, they did a lot of work. But it's the exact route. It's the exact route, even the connector. exact route of the old uh, Kettle Valley Railroad. So, um, I'll, uh, I'll tell you what the name Coquihalla stands for, just to let you know. It's in the Halcomelium language. It's a place name meaning stingy container. It refers specifically to a fishing rock near the mouth of what is now known as the Coquihalla River. The rock is a good platform for spearing salmon. So that's how it got its name. Really? Well, that's very cool. How about you, Will? Have you ever gone down the stingy container highway? Yeah, and I fucking hated every minute of it. Really? Every minute, yeah, every single, actually, I, I can't even say minute, every single second. I, and then the only times I've ever been down the Coquihalla was in the wintertime, and it was hell, okay? It was fully loaded, uh, flatbed trucks, and I, no, I'm, I'm, I, no, see, I'm glad I, I wasn't the one driving. I was on with partners, but, I mean, you're like white-knuckled the entire way. For hoping and praying you don't fall off. <laughs> oh, it, it can it, it it can scare the hell out of you. Yep. Um, especially the weather. Oh, that weather. I mean, it's uh. Well, they have those signs. You see them, and uh, they say uh, caution, extreme weather ahead, and they have the lights on them that flash. When you see those, stop, because you don't want to be driving and what that thing's telling you is ahead of you. Well, that's why Jamie Davis. Probably does as well as he does, um, yes. you know, because he's got a show that has gone on for probably about five years. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't think that show will ever get canceled because I don't think there's so either. totally stupid people that go on that. that should, I mean, you're saying it yourself. You see so many people wearing shorts in the winter. Oh, I was up there and about two years ago, and I mean, it gets bitter cold up there. It can get, it can get 30 below, and it's always windy. And I've seen people up there walking around in shorts. Like, are you fucking brain dead? Like, you know, it's excellent out there. And anything happens, you you can freeze to death pretty fucking quick. Oh, it's, it's you know, deadly. Like, yeah. I, I've seen them, actually, when, when I was uh, hauling with my wife, uh, there was another time that we were on there. And we're just sitting there listening to the radio, and then we just see this guy. <laughs> the lights just go right in the air. <laughs> goes into the ditch, 
pull over and I get out and I just fall right flat on my ass because as you know, black ice is so calm. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And then I go over to the guy. He's got this pickup that's on the side, right? And I, I climb up to the top and I said, hey, are you okay? And he's searching around for his charger for his phone. He's completely like in a state of shock. And oh, yeah. I pulled him out, and then we had this, a bunch of 18-wheelers came by, and I had to get on, on my way with my load. But he was literally just couldn't believe it. Like, uh, And it was just the craziest thing to see. You see these lights just go flip in the air. <laughs> it was just crazy bizarre. Well, wow, that was, that was definitely, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, eye-opening, uh, shocking. Uh, not for me, because I've been on it, but... Uh, well, not for me things. either, but it, um, oh. what, if anybody's like, I don't watch the show myself. I, I just don't. I don't watch uh, a lot. Of, I, I, I have watched Highway Through. Um, I like watching... I like Jamie Davis. I like watching... Uh, I like watching them work. I, I can just watch guys do that shit all day long. But uh, if you have never seen it, watch it. Um... It's an eye-opening experience for people that have never been up there. Okay, well, I hear you got some information on the biggest fraud in history. Yeah, so this guy's name, I'm going to leave some of his associates out of this because he is, this guy is the biggest piece of shit I've ever fucking heard of, okay? This guy's name is Sam Bankman Fried, okay? This guy is the biggest fraud in all of history. This guy owns a company by the name of, well, I'm not going to say the name, but I'll, I'll, I'll say the initials. It's FTX. It's very well known in the trading community. But what this guy did is he uh, found a couple of girls, moderately nerdy, uh, but mostly sexy, and convinced them to advertise uh, his company so that investors would invest. Well, then after these investors invested, what he did is he got these girls to take the money that the investors had taken and invested invested all of that money into other monetary stocks and whatever else. So um, there's a huge court case going on with us right now. So I'm not going to go go too in-depth about the, the names. However, this guy named Sam, Sam Bankman used every single person in this company. And then when... When he was tipped off, he stepped down and gave control over to somebody else to, as if they were a pawn. Now, this guy is connected into um, really, really high, high up business people. I'm not going to say any names here. Some conspiracy theorists uh, like, may, may enjoy this, um, this research, but uh, there's a lot of big, big names in this. And... It is. Uh, it affected cryptocurrency a lot. Uh, th this guy, if I could ever get my hands on on this guy himself, I don't think I'd be able to control myself. He he took advantage of not only handicapped people, but senior citizens, people living on low income, everybody. Uh, and, and he didn't stop just there. He went to high high class people. So now he's in intense trouble right now. <laughs> Anyways, to our listeners, if you are thinking about getting into cryptocurrency, um, take the wallet address 
and go to a site. It's called tokensniffer.com. I know it's a weird name, but it it it, it sniffs out fraudulent wallets or wallets that are known to be fraudulent before you send any money out. You got to do your research. Otherwise, you may end up investing in companies such as this where and by the way, this tech quote unquote technique is called a pump and dump and it's completely illegal, uh, which is why there's, you, you know, uh, a lot of controversy over this. But apparently this guy has one of the best lawyers in the world. So this might get swept under the rug and forgotten about. And that's crazy because this is literally the biggest fraud in history. We're not just talking millions. <laughs> we are talking billions. Like, e that was dissolved. I, I just heard that, that that was dissolved. And to add to that, Will, Tom Brady uh, just invested a stupid amount of money with that guy. And yeah. I think this is why Giselle was so pissed off, because Tom did not tell Giselle that he kind of lost, like, uh, I think it was like somewhere to the amount of $25 million. Yeah. Right. There were and, uh, there were really high up celebrities that invested into this guy, like a lot of people. So that's probably why she got a little pissed, eh? Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> hey, honey, I just blew twenty five million dollars on a crypto scam. Yeah, on, on on a pump and dump. Yeah. Pump and dump. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. It's what and, it's called when 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 P everyone invests and then right away, like the the well not right away the the show the investors that. It's going up, and then within like let's say within three months they'll they'll just dump it all, and then the investors will lose all their money. Right. I think Steph Curry, uh, he's a basketball player. He also was involved. There's a lot of celebrities that lost big, big money. Yeah. Well, I'm. I, 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 like I said, I'm not gonna go too in depth because like I've seen documents. This this guy is a legitimate piece of shit. Um, everything he's saying to to, to try to. Uh, de uh, deter the public eye from him is is absolutely false. This guy is completely guilty, and you know, quite honest with you, he deserves what's coming to him. Wow. Yeah, that's that's good to know. I I think I don't think crypto is going to be anything in the future. I think if anything, it's going to just go the way way of the dodo bird. Well, just like those. Remember those stupid freaking three D TVs. Yeah, they lasted long, didn't they? Yeah, well, see, well, he, he, here's the thing. There's there's this thing called, I think it's a CTC. The government is, is completely trying to take over cryptocurrency right now. So, um, I, I personally, from what I can see, I don't uh, I don't see a slowing in this. I, there, there, there was a crash. Um, yeah, but uh, the feds intercepted a lot in, in what was going on. Because, you, you know, let, let's face it, uh, cryptocurrency was... was you know, Bitcoin, right? The, the the that was the original cryptocurrency, and Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency was 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 made to untraceable purchases. So people were using it to buy illegal things on the web, such as you know credential stuffers or hitmen for hire, whatever, you know. And somebody else that got involved in that, you probably heard, Mr. Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful. He lost millions of dollars as well. Oh yeah. Really? Yep, he sure did. Yeah, there was uh there was a bunch of people that lost money from this. Like I said, the biggest fraud in history. And that's that's crazy to think about. That wasn't even <clears throat> like uh fiat currency. That th th this was digital currency that turned into fiat, you know? <laughs> I guess it had the, the old adage. 
Kevin O'Leary's such an arrogant prick, too. I mean, his that, his ego must just be crushed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, no kidding. Oh, man. he is. He's an e- he is an egotistic prick. Um, yeah, I think it looks good on him. I never liked the prick anyway, but um, well, no, Kevin Allison is there, Jake. <laughs> well, it's just like, like you listen to the way he talks. Just like you just want to smack the fucker right in the teeth. Well, he didn't get to where he was for nothing. Well, true enough. No, hey, there's hey. hey, a businessman's a businessman. Exactly. But hey, it's just, man, if that fucker ever talked to me the way he talks to some people, he'd be picking people. <laughs> he'd be picking his teeth up because I'd have fucking smacked him. Well, that's good to know, Will. I, I know I was hearing some. I was hearing some of that too. But then again, now you know why I got like six bucks and he has like six hundred million bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So, Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you rescued Bandit? I think I will, Will. Thanks very much. Well, I mean, I was uh, into pit bulls quite a long time. Uh, I, I thank my stepdaughter for actually getting us into pit bulls. I mean, I can remember way back when, and I had the same ignorance that everybody else did. Uh, never get on one of those dogs. You know, they're attack dogs, they're killer dogs, blah, blah, blah. And um, over the period of, of many years, and I will get into this in future podcasts of some of the other dogs we've owned, um, I ended up rescuing Bandit. I really, basically, when I was uh, on my Facebook one day, I, I saw a video of this dog just sitting there in a kennel, being quiet as can be. He had all his stuffies in the back ripped all apart, and he was, like, literally just waiting for someone to come rescue him. And it just reached out to me. And at the time, I had already a rescue with the Pitbull mix uh, in my truck. And I remember my wife saying, you know, we got five dogs. Why do we need? Why do? Why do we need another one? And I said, I don't know. I said, I just something about this dog. And uh, I had no idea that Bandit was uh, going to end up basically replacing Oki. Uh, I'll get into Oki uh, later, but I first rescued Bandit about four years ago. His birthday's this Sunday. Uh, he'll be nine years old, which is fifty-eight in dog years, which will be the same age as me. Ironically, weird, hey? Eh? Uh, and uh, I can still recall. Uh, when I first saw him, and at, at the time, I uh, had to find a way to, to get down to see him. Because, I mean, he was in Phoenix, Arizona, and we didn't go there. So uh, I basically ended up asking my dispatcher to get me a load to Phoenix. And we got a load to Phoenix, and that's how I ended up getting him. But prior to that, in my rescue network, I had reached out to a lady by the name of Coco Garcia, she ran a rescue called Handover Rover. Uh, she's a lawyer, and you can find her on Instagram to this day. She does amazing work. Uh, absolutely beautiful woman, and not only looks, but just, just spirit and caring. And she was the one that originally rescued Bandit for me while I was waiting for, you know, to come get him. And his foster, this is going to floor you guys, was Tom Brady's best friend. That was, that was his foster. Yeah, it was very cool. It was very cool. Uh, a guy named Brian Basilier. And uh, Brian basically just took bandits from Coco and kept them at his place. With, he had a nice pool and barbecue and the whole setup. And a uh, very successful guy in his own right. And just kept bandit there for three weeks until I, I could get him. So when I came down to get him, 
Brian picked me up in a sports car, and it was pretty interesting. I, he, I can remember Ben, he was sticking his head out the window. <laughs> so funny. So funny. Like, he's doing, we're doing like 100 miles an hour down the interstate, and, and I mean fast. And Ben has just got his head out the window, and Oki's in the back with me because uh, I had to have Oki to interact with Bandit because uh, Oki was just instrumental in, in helping me rescue dogs, and Bandit was was no exception. And he was just he was just a natural. He just uh, he just took to riding in, in the vehicle, and uh, then I basically got him back to the truck, and I called him Bandit, even though his name was Craig. The reason I called him Bandit was because uh, at the time, Burt Reynolds was sick, and uh, I wanted kind of a, like uh, honoring Burt Reynolds from Smokey and the Bandit. So I called them Oki and the Bandit. It was kind of cute. And uh, we trucked together, uh, but it was three weeks later, after I rescued Bandit, that Oki was diagnosed with cancer. And that was, oh, I was, it was stopped in my tracks. Uh, I, I had Oki for probably a good nine years prior to that. And I realized now why I rescued Bandit. Uh, it was basically that for Bandit to carry on when Oki was not going to be around. And I've never, ever, ever seen anybody um, go through cancer like I saw that dog go through cancer in three weeks. And it was gut-wrenching, absolutely gut-wrenching. Um, it affected her brain, and she just wasn't the same dog. And then Bandit basically carried on, and I never thought I'd ever have the bond with Bandit that I that I had uh, with Oki, but I, I did. And um, I just want to backtrack how I rescued Oki. By the way, uh, it was in Ardmore, Oklahoma, and I was out doing my usual walk. I was trying to get back in shape. I had no dog in my my truck at the time, and I was just out going for a walk out in the back of this field near a hotel, and I kind of came across this horse trailer and I was kind of sitting on, on blocks and it was behind a hotel and I, I saw a large chain coming out of the front of the horse trailer. I was like, that was weird. So I came up to the horse trailer and there's all these rags and towels and everything that was kind of like an opening in the, in the trailer. And, uh, there was this dog in there and I'm just like, wow, wow. Well, I was looking around for the owner I saw these two empty bowls uh, that would be food and water bowls, and I started pulling the chain, and the, like whatever was in there was fighting me on the chain. So I was like, "Wow, what am I going to do here?" So I kept, kept I kind of, you know, persisted and persevered, and I was able to pull the dog out. And there was this tiny little shy dog, wasn't tiny by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it was more like a whippet uh, mix that had pit bull in it, and that was Oki. And so I got her out and went to the hotel. I thought I was doing the right thing by saying, hey, you know, I found this dog and you guys need to come pick it up, and, you know. But I sentenced the dog to death because in Ardmore, Oklahoma, if they find a dog that has pit bull in it, which Oki did, they don't bring it back to the shelter. They, they put it down right there. So when I was out having a cigarette, Yes, I used to smoke. Uh, this lady said, uh, you know what you did, eh? I said, no, no idea. She goes, well, you just sentenced that dog to death. And I said, what? And then she told me, and uh, the guy came out and he says, 
uh, yeah, the bylaw officer's on his way. And I said, okay, thanks. Uh, I'm just going to take the dog for a walk. And, of course, I never came back because at that point I knew that the dog would not be alive. So I got the dog in my truck, and I didn't have any food, but I had microwave popping corn. So that was the first meal that I gave this dog is uh, microwave popcorn, which she just loved. But she was very, very malnourished, very uh, skittish, very scared. And as I was traveling, leaving the truck stop, she wasn't doing very well. And she was bleeding a lot. So, and I had no idea why she was bleeding. Because um, at that time, she probably would have been about five years old. So I ended up stuck in Colby, Kansas, and got her to a vet, and then found out that she'd been pregnant most of her life. They used her pups all the time, got her pregnant, whoever it was, whatever piece of shit did that, and just kept putting her probably back where she was and, you know, doing the same thing, a revolving uh, circle that was going nowhere but killing the dog. And eventually, she got liquids into her and water, and the vet gave her a very positive prognosis but said you need to get the dog fixed. So when I got it back to Canada, I waited a few weeks and then managed to get Oki fixed. But she was absolutely instrumental in helping me in my Pitbull Advocacy site Pitbull Truck in Canada was what it was called at the time. But uh, she was instrumental in it. She, We did a lot of rescues together where we were rescuing dogs. And, and I was always Oki that just got it. So these dogs would, like, they, they just kind of showed, uh, you know, showed up basically to say, hey, you know, I'm here to be rescued. And Oki just got it. Oki was instrumental in our dog, Callie. Uh, Callie is an American Pitbull. And she was instrumental in helping her. Uh, and she was also instrumental in adjusting Jewel, our American Staffordshire, uh, to our home as well. It's like, oh, he just got it. And there was many times that we would deliver dog food, and, well, she'd be there uh, taking pictures, having that photo opportunity with all the bags of dog food. Uh, we probably delivered about 10,000 bags of dog food in one year. Uh, the company I was with prior to the one I'm with now um, I used to uh, haul dog food up. Can you imagine having 80 bags of dog food in the top of your bunk? <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I remember when you were telling me about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and it was crazy. Like I would, I would be. I have these dog, these bags of dog food I used to get from Ontario, and the bags would be ripped. So I'd be pulling them down, and I'd have dog food all over the fucking place, man. Uh, and you know. Uh, I go. I show up at these rescues, and I donate like 30, 40 uh, bags of dog food at a time. I tried to usually get two rescues, but wow, what an undertaking, a major undertaking. And it just came to a point where I just couldn't do it anymore. It was just too heavy and too dangerous. I mean, you put 80 pounds of dog food on a top bunk of a sleeper, <laughs> you know what's going to happen? You know, probably that top of the bunk of sleeper is going to, you know, kind of collapse. And there was many times uh, that I thought for sure that that was going to happen. But, I mean, we had a lot of great uh, rescues that we did together. And she interacted with so many dogs. Like, Hokey never met a dog that she really didn't like. She, every dog liked her. And uh, she was an amazing, amazing dog. I miss her every day. Uh, she was actually with it in pit. She's the fastest dog that you've ever come across. She could run circles around any dog. I mean, any dog. 
I've got many videos of her, and it's just something to see how she just would just run around any dog, like she's super fast. So, but that's how I rescued Bandit. Um, in prior podcasts, we will talk about Samson and Shadow. Those are some fascinating stories. Uh, I've owned pit bulls for the better part of 20 years, so uh, I know them like the back of my hand, uh, and um, I trust them implicitly. I have no fear of them, and Bandit is my true trucking boy now, and you should see him when he goes on a truck stop. He loves people, and they just love Bandit. Uh, there's not a time that, that we don't go to a truck stop, that he comes in a truck stop, and nobody ever says anything except, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to center this out, the DVDs in Canada, you guys seem to think that he's not allowed in there. And uh, I'm not going to mention their nationalities, but they seem to not like the dogs in those truck stops, where I have no problems with any of the truck stops in the States. They welcome Bandit. They give him treats. Uh, they pet him. They, they stop for photo opportunities. This dog is a camera hound. He loves getting his pictures taken. And I'm sure, Jay, you know, you've seen the pictures of him. He is very photogenic, extremely photogenic. Well, that's because of big group. Oh, yeah. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. I love the dog. He's great. Yes. Yeah, he is. He's the most amazing dog. And like I said, uh, uh, he's going to be nine years old this Sunday. Hard to believe because he acts like a five-year-old. He does not act nine. Oh, my God. He never acts nine. He's he's always acting younger than his age. So he just loves life. He's 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 just a dog that loves life. Yeah, he's a happy dog. He's a happy dog. Yeah. And this is how I met Jay, I might add. Uh, Jay and I, we did not know each other from Adam, and uh, we met in Wells, Nevada, and he was looking for a dog, and I put him in touch with the right people, and he not only adopted one dog, he decided to go for another one. Rondo and Zephyr, the queen. Yeah, yeah the, queen, the queen, the queen, the queen, and the king. She the queen, man. She, she rules the roots, boy. And I can oh, tell you're missing your dog because you don't have oh, your dog I with you. Oh, I miss her terribly. I know I had to leave her, leave her for a trip, and oh, it's just uh, hard. I I don't like it. I forgot what it. I just forgot what it's like to not have a dog with you, and I'm just oh. not used to it. I like talking to you, but five times a day, Jay. Really, seriously. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know, so, but you know, there's there's still something about having Zephyr sitting beside you, looking through you to your soul like you've done something wrong. Like, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen her look, but she just stares at it. Like, Attitude. Oh, I've tried to have staring contests with her, and I lose. She'll stare right. you down. Right. You know, and it's, the, the dog wins every time. So we Hondo, work for- Hondo just wags his tail and walks away. Right. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. So we'll take a, a bit of a break, and when we come back, Jay is going to talk about the windmill turbine systems, those windmills you see yes. everywhere. Learned a lot of interesting stuff about them right now. Ignite your passion and escape to paradise with sexualdesiresextoys.com. Over 7,000 adult products to choose from, including a large variety of sexy erotic lingerie, tantalizing teddies, brazen bralettes, vava voom, 
baby dolls, magnetic mini dresses that will give you a night you'll never forget. Ignite the erotic side in your relationship. Sexual desire sex toys also has his and hers naughty board games, luscious lubricants and creams, or walk on the wild side with our anal and bondage fetish items. Paddles, masks, blindfolds with wrist and ankle restraints, and much, much more. And don't worry, we have discreet shipping and amazing 24-7 customer service and safe payment processing. Ignite the fire within you tonight. Visit sexualdesiresextoys.com. Anyway, wind turbines. You've seen them. They're everywhere. They're ugly. Um, But they work. They've been around for... Oh, thousands of years. Um, now, there are problems with... Now, they say that the lifespan of one wind turbine is 25 to 30 years. Unfortunately, it's more like 15 years. So, the technology is, is still advancing. Um, in the United States, there's 8,000 wind turbines that are going to have to be replaced in the next two years. Now, that's a lot of money. Now, everybody says you can find it all over. Oh, yeah, well, they're, they're throwing them in, uh, in um, landfills and everything else because they can't be recycled and, you know, it's not worth it. Oil's better, coal's better. And then you got the other side saying, no, wind's better, it's free, it's, you know, it's, it's cheap. Well, yeah, to a, to a point. Now, yes, the blades cannot be recycled. They get dumped in but there are companies that are experimenting with recycling of these to make, uh, which I found really, really funny. Um, I didn't think they would use this, but railroad ties. They're using these things to make railroad ties, and they're they're working quite well. Now, eight now in the United States and Canada, they have managed to get it up to 85% of the, of the wind turbines can be recycled. Now, that's not too bad. But it still has a long way to go. Um, it only makes up 7% of the electricity that the country needs, um, whereas nuclear is like 80%, and, you know, coal has a 56% lifespan over these uh, windmills. But the technology is getting better and better every year. Now, what I would like to know is why, in Europe, these are 100% recyclable. What are we doing that's different? Well, on, on average, and, and, and this might be uh, the, the direct cause of it, um, wind turbines, uh, at least in the United States, have been known to explode randomly. Oh, yes. I've actually seen it. Really? Yes. That's and crazy. It's, it's amazing. It is, it, it's something right out of a... It's something right out of a out of a war picture, man. Like when they explode, like they just go pop, boom, yeah. and like shit flies everywhere. <laughs> I mean, it's like watching a jet blow up. Um, I don't know what the problem with our technology is, but in Europe they be farther ahead than we are. And like I'm a babe in the woods with this. Like I'm just learning. I'm really starting to learn a lot. Um, 
Now, I'm not an environmentalist or, you know, oil bad, wind generation good, you know. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, we're fucking pigs, man, and we've really got to clean up our act because, you know, we're making a mess of everything. So I got a question. Yes. What is the cost for one of those to be put up? The closest I can find is the cost of a, of a, of a cell. And a cell is a group of, uh, of, of windmills. And a cell is usually about five or six. And it costs anywhere between five and $15 million. And uh, that's from creation, transportation, to putting them up. So, so, okay, another question. How long does that take for them to take for themselves? Well, as of now, they usually don't. They usually do not create enough energy to make it worthwhile, but they're, they're getting there. Like, in other words, they're pissing money away, but, like, they're, it, it's, they only, in the lifespan, they only make 65,800 or so megawatts of energy. That's one. I, actually, I, I've got to correct you for a minute. Uh, it's 1,300,000 U.S. per megawatt, and the typical wind turbine is two to three megawatts in power, so most turbines cost the two to four million dollar range per turbine, and the maintenance is forty-two to eight forty-eight thousand dollars per year, uh, de- depending on research of, of a wind turbine and operational costs. Very cool. So you, you are like I am. I'm, I'm just diving in here, and I'm getting so much information. It's just, it's just so cool. Um, there, but the, there is bad points to it. They're hard on the environment. Now, for some reason, they they attract birds and bats and they kill them. Yeah. Now, yeah, that's true too. Nobody nobody knows the why. Like they don't know if it um, like with bats, they run off radar, right? And they don't know if the the turbine itself is messing with their is is messing with their radar. The same with birds. The birds just will. I've seen videos of it. Birds will be flying and then turn right into it. It's the, really? it's the weirdest thing. It, it, yeah. yeah, it's the weirdest thing. It's like... I think it has to do with frequency or something. Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, they've been working on that, too. Um, and a lot of a lot of uh, uh, problems is, is they got to do a lot of uh, um, deforestation in areas. Because these can only be put up in certain areas. Um, and it's always a windy area, and they have to be kind of... Uh, Oh, I, I would say above a valley. Like that's why you always see them way up on the mountains in ranges and stuff like that. And I mean, these things are huge. And apparently, um, Texas. Just to add to that, the scary thing is the tornadoes can take them out, and then they can they become flying weapons. Yeah. Well, remember something: the diameter, the, the, the diameter of the blades is as big as a football field. So you figure. A, a tornado hits that and tears the blades off. Um, that, that's one hell of a weapon coming at you. I mean, that could be incredibly destructive. Yeah. I don't know. I've I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it happening. But that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. But I saw happens, one explode. It happens in Texas quite a bit. Oh, really? I saw yeah. one explode. I saw one explode in California. And. Think of how many tractor trailers, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen it down the road because I have yeah. too. It's insane how long those things are. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it takes well, 
it's three trucks just to pull the blades, and they're not short. I don't I don't know how long. Eight, I think they're the blades are eighty meters each. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure on that. But this this boat the size of two fifty three foot trailers. Oh, at least at least. Yeah. And it's uh it's it, it's quite uh it's quite the thing watching the guys move them. Um, I mean I've never done anything that long. I mean I. I've done hundred foot stuff, but I never got into anything like that. Um, but it uh, requires a lot of trucks just to move one, and that's—I mean—the the weight. Um, I never did actually ask a guy. I, always, I was going to ask a guy what the one piece weighs because you look at them and they're—you know—they're—they're they're, they're running what nine axle just on the trailer. Some are running twelve axle. They're everywhere. I mean. They're a lot of weight. Oh, yeah, they're everywhere. They, you usually see them at night in a lot of places. That's usually when I see them on the road. Like on, like in Montana, I usually I usually see them at night, sometimes during the day. Well, there's, there's uh, on, on the Internet, and I'd encourage everybody to see it just to give you an idea of how these things go flying in the air. There's actually footage of a tornado taking one of these things and whipping it in the air, and it's a scary, scary, scary video to watch. Yeah, it would. That, well, tornadoes in itself are scary. Um, but, uh, yeah, that would be something to see. Like, seeing that one in uh, in uh, California explode was, uh, and it was loud. Holy shit. I wasn't even close to it. Um, but it just, it took off. And next thing you know is, like, there's fire and flames. And next thing you know is it's just boom. And it, it, it there was pretty much nothing left. So just, what's just, what's just, just a stand. So to sum it up, do the advantages outweigh the disadvantages? Now, in today, yes, because the technology is is advancing so fast. Um, every year, the parts are getting better. They're getting lighter. They're getting, you know, they're finding better ways to make them. Like, I mean, everything's changing. It's changing so rapidly. And every year, they're getting more and more and more out of them. So it's, yes, it's actually a good thing, even though they're, they're bloody ugly. <laughs> I mean, they are an eyesore. I um, always think it's like something out of like Day of the Truth. It's like the aliens are coming. You see these lights. And yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's kind uh, of it's kind of eerie. It's kind of eerie. But like, so. but like, I mean, I'm not I'm not an, an advocate or anything like that. I'm just I'm just I just want to learn. That's all. I just want to learn what this shit is. And um, you know. The way they're pushing electric electric cars and everything else, well, they're going to need a lot of this shit because, as it stands right now, we can't we can't sustain the the amount of electric cars that they want. No, no, you you bring up a very no valid point. Way. You, you, that's a very valid point. There, there's not enough batteries in the world to supply everybody. So, no. in fact, using batteries is is even worse on the environment than. Uh, uh, trying to get oil and gas because now you're having to dig for the um, the um, you mine, yes. yeah you you have to mine for the minerals to make the batteries. Well, right, you know, um, like windmills and stuff. Um, I've seen them on houses. Um, it was a big thing in uh, Alberta at one time. I don't know if it is now, but a lot of uh, farms had uh, little little wind wind generators. They weren't that big. And it was very popular in uh, Alberta for oh, about 10 years, I guess. And I don't know what's ever happened with it. Um, but uh, the problem with, I've, 
they're talking electric trucks and electric cars and electric this and electric that. I can't see it working the way they, they want it to because of the extreme conditions that truck drivers go. I mean, our, right now I'm in, I'm in Texas where it's reasonably nice. Then I'm heading up to Canada where it's bitter, bitter cold. Uh, we're seeing for a battery. Bitter, bitter cold, you know. So I don't know. I don't, I can't, I, I'm, I'm just surprised they didn't, didn't push more for something like a, a diesel electric, um, something like that, something that with a charging system that you could get the truck to keep going. Um, I think that would be a better avenue to go, but that's just me. I mean, we've used diesel electric for a hundred, uh, almost a hundred years in trains and shit like that. Europe, Europe was full of diesel electric, uh, trains and stuff like that. So I don't know, but we're going to have to do something. So I am going to go in on a subject that is going to affect everybody. So the subject includes a very serious Trojan. Um, this, uh, now, now when I say Trojan, I'm not talking condoms. I'm talking virus here. So, uh, try to cope with me. But the name of this Trojan virus is, uh, Xenomorph. Now, what happens is when people download an app, uh, from, like, say, the Play Store or something, um, what'll happen is they'll open the, uh, the app and all of a sudden it'll pop up with banking, inf- uh, like, like your banking app and ask you to put in your password. Well, It'll come up uh, uh, just like your banking app would. And uh, there's versions of this Trojan virus that are literally sitting dormant inside of these applications. Now, there is a way to check um, if if your phone has one of these uh, viruses by obviously giving it a scan. But uh, you you would do that with, uh, again, malware bytes like we, we talked about in previous visits here. Um, but this is a very, very dangerous one because as like by the time, usually right now, by the time the user realizes that they have downloaded this, all of their text messages, all of their phone calls, all of their banking information, their passwords, and basically everything you do on your phone is, is, is already taken by the, by the hackers. So, um, it is not very hard to duplicate a credit card. It is not very hard to duplicate a bank card. Uh, you, you can pick up a, now I don't condone this, uh, criminal activity. However, these, uh, there are criminals that will go on Amazon and buy, um, a card skimmer for about 150 bucks. And all they need is the information from your card and a card skimmer. And they will, they, they can set that card to read as your card. So it's it's a duplicate copy. And this is why I'm warning people this now because there are going to be more um applications coming up in the in the future that are susceptible to um what is called the xenomorph trojan virus. It is it, it is very persistent. So um I highly suggest if if you do have if you do realize your phone has this virus on it uh, try to delete the file and then uh, completely factory wi- reset your phone because otherwise you're probably going to still have it on your phone even if you delete the file. It'll reinstall itself and you'll just have constant issues going into the future. You might even want to talk to your phone company about switching your SIM card because that is literally the only way 
to uh, stop one of these Trojan viruses from attacking. So a simple SIM card swap would would, would be sufficient. Um, also, a number change because these people will have your credentials and everything else. So I, I, I guess the, the take home from this would be to be extremely cautious when downloading things, question everything, check the ratings. Um, and I, I, I just want to add that there's another program called Expense Keeper. Now, Expense Keeper obviously does what it sounds like it does. It, it literally harvests your, uh, well, anything to do with your expenses. So your, your credit card, your uh, banking information, uh, whatever else. And sometimes you don't even need to go to your Play Store. Sometimes, you know, if you're scrolling Facebook and it has an ad, for an app, I would not download the application from inside Facebook. I, uh, instead, I would look at the name of that app and then search it up in Play Store so you know you're getting a legitimate version of it. This is uh, how actually a lot of people fall victim to stuff like this. And, uh, you know, we're, we're living in hard enough times as it is. It's, it's, uh, it's a dark, dark world we live in right now, for sure. Anyways, Brian, didn't you have uh, another subject? Well, actually, I did. To kind of lighten up the mood a bit, I got some interesting things. I've got funny lawyer names to talk about. Uh, holy shit! We got the Batman Law Firm. <laughs> uh, we got the Law Offices of Poon. Okay? We got Gay and Gay. Okay? Get your quick and hide. Okay? Men love law. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> MILF Law Firm, okay? I know I got my settlement from Wiener and Cox. <laughs> or maybe go to the Raper Law Firm while you're at it. Oh, well, you know, you might want to get your Swindle Law Group involved. So, Dick Strong, Attorney at Law. Okay. I like this one. Screw them good and heart. <laughs> but solicitors. And, well, you can always get a settlement from Cox, Cox and Cox. Or freeze crooks and cons. Or how about Ernest F. Duh, attorney at law. But, hey, if you have an injury, you got to go see Chuck Norris, attorney at law. So, those are some funny lawyer names. As far as X-rated stores, driving from Florida, you can always see Badcock Furniture. Um... Here's one for you guys. Fuck my sushi. What do you think that is? <laughs> oh, a sushi restaurant. It is. It's a Chinese restaurant. Um, Big Dick's Halfway In. Oh, that sounds like a hotel. It's a gift shop. How about it's Big Dick's? Dick yeah, it's a gift shop. And Big Dick's Dry Rub Company, their slogan is a treat for your meat. <laughs> but if you die, wouldn't you like to die at the Hooker Funeral Home? <laughs> or... Would you like to get your hair done at the Ass Hair Salon? You know, or if you're building your house, go to Dyke's Lumber. Okay? Get your candy at Chewy Balls. And take your kids to Cox Summer Camp. Oh, by the way, guys, celebrities that own pit bulls, just to let you know, Haley Coco owns three of them. Jennifer Aniston has Sophia. Jessica Beale has a pit bull named Tina. Kevin Bacon has Lily the pit bull. Josh Hutcherson of Hunger Games owns a pit bull named Driver. Rachel Bilson owns, uh, has kind of joint custody of her pit bull. 
uh, Penny Lane with ex-fiancee Adam Brody. Uh, Alicia Silverstone, she owns a pit bull she calls Pig. Liam Hemsworth owns a rescue pit called Tanny, previously married to Miley Cyrus. Uh, Sophia Bush owns a blue pit named Griffin. John Stewart, formerly of The Daily Show, owns three pit bulls named Shamsky, Champ, and Monkey. And Norman Reedus of The Walking Dead owns a pit bull named uh, Dead. And Catherine Heigl has a pit bull named Apollo. Uh, NFL quarterback Tom Brady, he owns a pit bull named Lua. And although ex-wife Giselle Butchin might have uh, gotten uh, the dog in the divorce, and Jessica Alba names her pit bull Bowie after rock legend David Bowie. And tennis pro Serena Williams owns a pit bull named Dutch. So those are some celebrities. And now it's time for our new topic, which I think you guys are really going to like. It's called What I Just Found Out. Okay. Now, the name Poppycock. You know, that was derived from two words. <laughs> it means soft shit. So, really? Bandit, yeah. So, Bandit, when he goes outside, I can just say, oh, he's taking a puppycock. So, yeah. Did you know PETA made the Animal Crackers Company take cages off the animals off the box? What? Do you remember Animal Crackers? They had the yeah. cages of the animals in the box. PETA made them take them off. Really? Yeah. Yep. Peter's fucking shit anyways, man. <laughs> I, I, I hate yep. them, man. They, 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 they claim to save animals, but, but in fact, they really kill them. They do do some weird things, don't they? Right. Uh, now, here's a good one. Goodbye. It was first known as the word goodbye. It was recorded in 1573, and it was first said as God why, which is contraction of the phrase God be with ye. Now, Jay, this is what I've been dying to ask you. What are the 100 folds in a chef's hat mean? How the fuck would I know? <laughs> you were married to a chef. She didn't wear one of those. <laughs> well, the pleats are used to signify a chef's level of experience, oh. like the number of ways he or she knew how to prepare eggs, as an example. Now, it's bad enough that we shit ourselves when we die, right? Everybody knows that, right? Okay, you know that, right? Both of you guys? Yep. Apparently so. Okay. But here's another little joke God played on us that I was a little surprised or maybe naive to find out. As we get into our 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even reach 100, our pubic hairs go gray. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> the Rosemary Bush around on Rocky is going to wilt and go gray. Nice, huh? <laughs> I think God got it wrong when he made us, and I'll tell you why. We should start our lives at age 100, and then that way we'd all be safe truck drivers, Jay. You know, we'd be driving way below the speed limit, except our right blinker would always be on, right? Yeah. And then as yeah. we got younger, everything would get better. So sex would get longer and better. Okay, our health would be better, and even our jobs would get better because we would graduate from truck driving to being an athlete, making millions of dollars, and then eventually we would die, right? As And we don't like to think about it, but we die as a baby, and then they could just stick us in a jar, right? That's the way it should be. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, then we would, start out, we, we, we would start out life in pain. 
right, but it gets better. Where when you get older, it gets worse. So I don't know about you, but I don't want my poop tubes to go gray. I'm just not not into that. Oh, I don't care, man. I don't care. I was married and I got a kid, and I'm lucky my arms and legs haven't fallen off. So, so the question I ask you guys, the question I ask you guys, okay, is what would you rather have? And give me two reasons why. Good reason. What would I rather have? What are the options? Has, what are my options here? Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> would you rather be a hundred and go down where life gets better, or would you rather go up from a baby where life gets worse? I think it's better to go down because things are going to get better. Your health gets oh, better. Like I no, said, no, I, I, I think, I think that there, I, no. I, I like it the way it is. Yeah, There's I feel, no fucking I, I, way. I feel no like it's all fucking way. I'm coming out at a hundred. I yeah, I feel like it's all perception at that point. If you think I'm going through puberty again, <laughs> you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah, but think about it. Your wife gets hotter. I am thinking younger. about it. <laughs> yeah, and when we guys get stupider as they get fucking younger, but that's okay. That shit again. I don't know, man. I think there's pros and cons, but I don't like the fact that everything falls apart as you get older. Well, that is true. That does kind of kind of suck, but uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't like that reverse thing. So anyway, you got something to talk about, Bruce Willis. So why don't you yes. run that through? What a cool guy! You know, it's really sad. He's got that. Uh, Aspasia, I believe that's how, it, how it's pronounced, and that, that's an ugly, an ugly thing. Now, I've been doing a little bit of reading on it, and there's different kinds of this Aspasia thing. All of them are bad. I mean, not one of them is good, and he's got the worst of them. He will, he will eventually, um, I believe he's already lost his ability, ability to, to speak, um, now he's gonna learn. He's gonna actually not understand anything. He's gonna be completely alone. Like he, he, when people speak to him, it'll be just gibberish to him. He won't even understand it. And um, I also found out that he has been suffering from this for 20 years, 20 freaking years. Um, he got a severe head injury making a movie in 2005, and. I can't remember what the damn movie was called. It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, it was, it was, um, oh, I can't even remember. But anyway, in a scene, the pyrotechnicians blew up and stuff, and he got hit in the head, and he was severely, severely hurt by it. Um, and they believe that it actually caused him to have a stroke. And this was 20 years ago. Well, nobody really noticed it too much and he he's a very private guy he doesn't talk about his his health problems or anything like that um but his friends and his family started noticing that he just wasn't the same guy and that by 2000 and by 2015 he had to have earpieces put in to have people read him his lines because he couldn't he couldn't read them he couldn't he couldn't understand it he was having that much of a problem for a minute i can tell you the yeah. movie, by the way Tears of the Sun. Tears of the Sun, that's it. I had it wrote down, but I lost my piece of paper. Can't find it. But this is a really, here's some cool facts. Like, this is, this is sad enough. I mean, I mean, he was one of my favorite actors. He's a lot of people's favorite actor. I mean, he was just a great, he was, he was, he was funny. Um, before he got into acting, 
um, he, well, when he was in school. We'll go right back to when he was in school. He used to stutter. Imagine, imagine Bruce Willis stuttering. Like, try to think about that for a second. It's kind of funny. Um, that's what got him into drama, into drama, drama class because it helped him with his stutter, and his stutter eventually went away. Yes. Could you imagine that? Like, I just, I can't picture it. But anyway, he had many jobs. Um, he was even, believe it or not, and this is um, something I actually just found out today, he was actually a private investigator. Like, just before he got that uh, um, TV show um, where he played a private investigator in Moonlighting was Civil Shepherd. But he, um, he did lots of good movies. I mean, Wine Date's one of my favorites, even though it is a chick. I don't like chick. But, um, that, was, that, was, that was funny as fuck, him and John Larroquette. Um, and, of course, my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard. I know you're cringing back there, Brian. I know you're just cringing. You're trying to say it. It isn't a fucking Christmas movie. It is a Christmas movie. It happens at Christmas time. And it's a chick flick because there's a fucking chick in it. So leave me alone. <laughs> anyway. Something to add to that. That when he did American Siege in 2020, he was wearing the earpiece because he was walking yeah. through the effects of yeah. the Yeah. Well, he sued over that. Sued over that. And, you know, that's that's really too bad because um, it's a sad end to a to a good, good career. I mean, I even like the movies he did that. I mean, remember Hudson Hawk? Did you ever see that movie? I mean, it was bad. I mean, it was a horrible movie, but it was a funny movie. Him and uh, Danny Aiello. Um, but, I mean, the guy, he's done hundreds of movies. He's done voiceover work. Um, I mean, the guy, his, his, his list is as long as my truck. I mean, he's a very talented guy. He even, saw, he even had uh, um, a couple of albums, I believe, where he sang. I mean, he was quite a guy. I really, I really feel bad about... What has happened to him? Because you know, I, I really feel bad for not only him. I mean, this must be devastating for him. Well, we'll call it. A, we'll, we'll we'll cut it short. I uh, just wanted to say a few things about uh, about Bruce Willis. Um, I really, it's a really sad end to a good career. And uh, like every, like I like the guy. Um, a lot of people are even bigger fans than I am. But uh, I just, I just really feel. Uh, I don't think it's fatal. Um, I haven't found anything that it is fatal. It's just a horrible disease, and it's caused by head injuries or strokes. Um, strokes are the number one cause of it, but a, a severe head injury like he did have um, will cause it, and he's got the worst type of it because he won't even understand anybody. He won't be able to talk. He won't be able to understand anybody. He won't even be able to communicate, um, and it, it's I, I can't even fathom what he's going through or his family. I really can't because that's a horrible, horrible thing. It is. Okay. And it's, um, there's, a, there's information on uh, um, Sylvester Stallone's website about it because him and Bruce Willis were like buddies. I mean, they were very, very close, and he's heartbroken over it. Um, so if you want to read up any more, follow him because he's giving updates all the time. I mean... He, he's truly a, a, a good friend of Bruce Willis's, and I can see him standing by him to the end. I really can. But that's all I got to say. That's too bad. It is. It's a. It's a damn shame. Okay, so uh, that's just too bad about Bruce because uh, I love his movies. And it is. I still debate 
that point with you and that it's a Christmas movie, but don't go there, Jay. Nothing says ho, ho, ho like terrorists getting right. killed. Right. So we're putting a casting call out for um, a new female podcaster to join the road crew, and we want to hear from anybody downloading this podcast that wants to take us on, um, so to speak. Uh, if you think you can do what we do or do it even better, then we want to hear from you. All you got to do is send us an email, or if you have an audition tape, that's up to you. But uh, we'll try you out for a podcast. And um, by January 1st, 2023, we will make a decision on who we're going to have as a regular. So as long as you're age 18 to age 60, thereabouts, uh, we would like to see what uh, creative ways you can come up with topics and, um, you know, basically go against us in, in a manner of speaking of, of uh, well, just... Let's just say you, you don't have to take any shit from us, okay? So, because, you know, we well, give each other shit. you gotta take a, you got to take a little. Come on. That, well, that's right. That's right. Okay. you gotta have a, you got to have a sense of humor. That, that's you know, right. Point. Yeah. you yeah. have a sense of humor, and you guys get to pick your topic. So, let's hear from you guys. Send us an email or send us comments on Highway Freaks Computer Geeks on Facebook. Uh, Twitter is Highway Freaks and Computer Geeks with the N symbol and uh, capital C's and H's on highway and computer. And our email address is highwayfreaksandcomputergeeks at hotmail.ca. Is that right, Will? No, uh, it's highwayfreaksandcomputergeeks at hotmail.com. Okay, perfect. Okay. And uh, send us an email there as well. So... We would like to hear from you guys, and um, it will add a nice, interesting dynamic to our show, which, uh, you know, we always like. I know Jay's got some pylon shout-outs before we sign off, and unfortunately, I didn't get to do the chapter reading of my book this time. I will definitely do it next time. We might have a special guest on coming up on our next podcast. We will post it on Facebook if we do as well. So, um the final thing would be Jay's pylon shout-outs. Okay. Um, I got a uh, blue and a red pylon shout-out. That's right, right? Right. Yeah, blue and uh, Yeah, to a, to, a, to a lad and his daughter. Now, I just happened to be there. Not a big deal. Um, a guy broke down um, on the side of the road, so I, 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 gave, him a, I gave him a boost. And he had the most adorable little little daughter with him. I mean, big brown eyes. She had to be about five years old, and she she was right in there, little Miss Mechanic, wanting to hook the jumper cables up and everything else. So I I helped her do it. We got dad got dad going, and uh, of course, um, he tried to give me money, and you know that that, that I don't I don't take money. So, but very pleasant guy. Um, uh, I'm glad I, I I'm glad I got him going because man nobody was even stopping or even paying attention so that's my shout out cool good enough did you any shout out shout outs well sure I'll give a red pylon shout out to uh, to my mom she uh, we've had a rough couple of months here and uh, you know I'm I I help her out with the mortgage help her out with 
a, a lot of things, but she's she's key, keeping not only uh, her head afloat, but my head afloat as well. Uh, so wouldn't be able to uh, do what I do without her right now, especially. Uh, she's actually the reason. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but she's actually the reason I have a computer I can work with right now. Um, wow. Yeah, and, and, and the story behind that is I, I told her, um, hey, mom, like, I know trucking is your thing. You 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 love it. Um, if you if you go back to it for a year, it'll give me enough time to you know build my own PC and build the work. And now I've um, been I I mean I've been able to do a lot of work within the past seven years. Uh, the this PC and and actually it's the same computer I used to edit the uh, podcast. So uh, there's oh, right yeah there's there there's a lot that um that uh goes into everything right so yeah shout out to her um for um uh, you know keeping a positive outlook oh right on what about you brian you have any shout outs um uh, well uh good question actually this past week i decided to get rid of about 3700 people on my friends list that were basically dead weight and i called everybody out that wanted to stay on my friends list. So uh, I got about 200 people that said, keep me on your list. Hmm. And I can't obviously go through those 200 people, but those people know who they are. And I sent them a link to all our podcasts and uh, I would shout out to all of those people in red, uh, blue pylons, purple, brown, you name it. Uh, Those are the ones that decided to stay on my site because they like to post pictures of Bandit and our posts. So I shout out to all those people that stayed on my friends list. Cool. Um, I, I just want to add, I want I want to do two blue shout outs. And these two blue shout outs are going to go to uh, both Brian and Jay. Um, Brian, because, you know, he's uh, like, he started, um, you know, working for the same company as my mom did. You, you, you know, Brian's helped a lot of people out. And, uh, I truly appreciate that, and Jay as well. Jay is the only reason why I'm I'm able to do as much work as I'm doing right now. So, thank you to both of you. Um, we appreciate you, and um, I hope you guys know that. Back, back at you, kid, because man, oh man, yeah, I couldn't back we couldn't yeah. do this. Exactly. We could not do this without you. So, it, it, you know, there's a saying in the pit bull world: it takes a village to rescue a dog. Yeah. Well, it's taken our little village, our road crew, to rescue all of us from some of the emotions and um, depressions and stuff that we encountered here uh, in the last couple of years. So we kind of came full circle by uh, having this podcast together, and we hope to do bigger and better things. And there will be bigger and better things coming. So yeah. thank you, Will. Yeah, exactly, Will. I mean, there's no way me and Brian can do this without you. So, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're all a family. We are, and uh, it, it, it's it's been an interesting. Uh, it's been an interesting. Uh, what is this? Nine episodes now. Yep. We are number nine. Oh, we are. Yeah, we are number nine. Okay. Yeah, and we've come a long way. Yeah, and we've we got a long this. way to go. Yeah, and we, and we keep progressing with every episode we do. So. I think so. There you go. So, 
that was it for visit number nine. That was a very interesting story, Jay, that that, that you had about the Coca-Cola, and and it was um, oh, thank you. very interesting to uh, hear Brian's stories. It um you, you know they're they're pretty relaxing, but um we'd like to also give a shout out to all our listeners, and uh, we hope that as as you listen to our podcast, it um. It, it helps to not only inform you, but soothe you as well. Um, we appreciate all of you. And uh, we will see you on episode number 10.